Today on Movie Wallers, we continue our end-of-year roundup for the things that we've been watching in 2020. It's time for Movie Wallers. Hi, this is Joe. Hi, it's Rashmi. And Yazdi as well. Your weekly dose of film reviews, movie news, and general banter in theatres, on DVD, online streaming, or in the back of an airplane. If you love the movies, this show is for you. Boy, I'm movied out. I mean, we've we've been, or I'm kind of podcasted out. This is going to be our third end of year podcast, and they're not really end of year podcasts. It's just so much stuff came out thick and fast in December that we. I mean, and this is really the tip of the iceberg. So if, if you've been following along this last three podcasts, we've covered some 12 movies, including what we're going to talk about today. Um, mm-hmm. And you guys, I know, have watched many, many more. So, you know, bravo to you for digging through all of those. And there's still many to watch. There's so many to watch. I feel like I've barely scratched the surface. I but know. yes. I wonder how the awards are going to play out because when do the Oscar noms come out? I know February timing is March. changed because February, of February, end of February, I think. Yeah. Okay. So I that's, mean, I- that's probably why things are coming out. So, um, well, everything is out now. I, I, I believe everything that we're going to get, we've now received. Mm-hmm. And I think the fact that San Diego film critics society decided to, do our vote in January was such a sensible decision because I yes. don't understand how anyone who vo- voted in early December even had access to half the stuff that we got in December. Wow. Yeah. yeah and a lot sure. came in December. Well, yeah, it's been kind of a run. So let's um, talk about, I think we've got four movies we're going to attempt to cover in this podcast. So I guess we should get to it without further ado. Before so, the sky becomes the midnight sky. Segway. Wow. <laughs> Look at that. Yeah. Off so, you go. Uh, directed by George Clooney and written by Lily Brooks Dalton based on the book Good Morning Midnight by Mark L. Smith. Um, this is a movie about... Um, a post-apocalyptic time that follows a character called Augustine, who is a lonely scientist in the Arctic as he races to stop Sully and her fellow astronauts from returning home to a mysterious global catastrophe. Uh, And this has quite a stellar cast. Um, We have George Clooney, Felicity Jones, David Iowello, um, Carolyn Springle, Tiffany Boone, and Demian Bashir. Um, amongst a few others. And um, Yazdi, why don't you kick us off? What did you think of The Midnight Sky? And George yeah, Clooney uh, is a really old man. <laughs> yes, that's me. Uh, first of all, I think boo to them for picking the title Midnight Sky instead of the original title, which is Good Morning Midnight. I think that's such a nice title. It's full of intrigue and Midnight Sky just sounds so blah. Um, So I think the, so the movie came out on Netflix, I think a couple weeks ago, maybe a week ago, and it's uh, George Clooney written, directed and acted movie. It's on the top 10 for a while. 
And I think the reaction to the movie has been swift in terms of people kind of really pooping on it and, you know, saying that it's, it's, it's crap. That should have been um, my intro. Do you also want to poop on this movie? Yes. Do you also wish to poop on Midnight Sky? Yes. So I do not wish to poop on it. I do not think it's a great movie. I do not think it's a compelling movie. It should have been a compelling movie, but it's not a compelling movie. But I also think it's not a waste of time at all. I was I was intrigued while I was watching the whole thing. Um, I think it suffers because it has... It's trying to do too many things at once, and you real I've never felt vested in the fate of any one of the characters, including the main one played by George Clooney. And it's like you have all the ingredients for making the perfect chief souf- uh, cheese souffle, but the souffle won't rise. All the ingredients are there, and they are top grade. Everything, the butter is top grade, the cheese is top grade, the, the flour is from, you know has been ground by virgin Swedish, <laughs> you know, Not women Danish, up in, in the mountains. But Swedish. So all the ingredients are there, but this just doesn't rise. Yeah. Um, so it's it's a disappointment, unfortunately. However, it's not uh, an unmitigated disaster either. Okay, Joe. I think this movie suffers from kind of timing-itis. I think had it come out at a time in the year when there was a lot, you know, less competition in terms of interesting things to watch i may have received it a little better but when you juxtapose it against high quality entries and it's clearly been released at this time to try and get awards consideration (laughs) um it it loses something and again it's really the juxtaposition of this alongside you know much much better work this movie isn't horrible i just felt that it never like you said yes it never rises to the occasion i found myself like you really struggling um to to get behind any of the protagonist's um dreams goals visions wishes there there just wasn't anything to kind of root for here so as a result it felt like a little bit of a snoozer and was somewhat tedious to get through it held my interest enough just not not um not up there yeah um i agree with you both um i think it has some nice themes about you know isolation in a place you know versus isolation in a galaxy you don't know um but you know i think it's almost in its effort to try and be so clever it's it's forgotten the fact that it has to tell us a story that's cohesive that we can hang on to and that we're invested in and i was neither of those things so it just felt like a bunch of random events in two different places without any connection and so i wasn't emotionally invested in any of the characters um and there's no concept of, of time. We know we're three weeks after some event. We know we're in 2049. But we don't know, as we're in the story, what's actually happening. And so I think if you don't know that, then you're just watching events. So I, I just didn't feel... I've Literally, I'm looking at my notes. 40 minutes in and I'm still not sure what's going on. 90 minutes and we still don't know what's happening. <laughs> Right. I, mean, I think I've literally written. That's my notes. Wow. So I think, you, you know, we're, we're a pretty, you know, well, well versed audience. And I think, you know, it feels a little bit like the the ugly cousin of Interstellar at times. Um, 
Wow. Not, not quite my cup of tea. I mean, it's nice to watch all these great actors doing their thing, but just a bunch of unrelated events that get you to the end. And then you're like, oh, gosh, I wish they'd just told me even one thing earlier on because I'd be way more invested then. Uh, yeah, I haven't, I haven't. So that was a big poop. Much, sorry. I should. No, no, I haven't spent too much time trying to an analyze just exactly why it didn't work for me. Because again, I think all the pieces are there. And, you know, in, in addition to what you said, Joe, about the time, I I think it also has the misfortune of coming to us, you know, after really big event movies like Gravity and The Martian uh, and others have, have, have already, you know, been part of our, you know, popular culture zeitgeist. Um, it, it feels like a watered down version of all of those movies a little bit. Um, there is a reveal at the end. I don't even know if people will register it as a reveal, but it comes so late and a dollar shot that, you know, most people have kind of checked out by then. I've heard a lot of people say that they were bored and it was like a snooze fest. I was never bored. It didn't put me to sleep. Um, and I didn't struggle as much with trying to understand what was going on. I mean, there are the plot is very simple, but there are some pieces which are withheld, which kind of becomes annoying. Uh, there's this whole flashback thing with George Clooney's character, which needlessly is is, is held back until, you know, fairly late in the movie. Um, my biggest problem is, you know, the George Clooney character who granted he has this grown beard and he looks haggard and he's a person who has a terminal disease who is dying and he's supposed to look terrible. So it's a very vanity free performance and everything revolves around him. But I never really cared for him as a character. I never really felt vested emotionally. Um, I, I guess we're supposed to feel sympathetic to him, um, but I never really felt sympathetic to him. And I, I'm still wondering why. Uh, and then, you know, there's this whole other thing about what's playing out on the spaceship, which is coming back to Earth with, you know, Felicity, uh, Felicity Jones and David Ayalevo and Damien Bashir and uh, who's the other guy? And they all have their little stories as well. But Kyle Chandler. I don't know, it kind of... Yeah, Carl, Carl Chandler. So it kind of, you know, uh, I don't know. And then there's this whole, there's a scene kind of set, you know, where this accident happens in space. And that's very, very reminiscent of about of gravity. So yeah, I don't know, it, it, it doesn't all stick together, but it, but it was worthwhile. I mean, I enjoyed it while I was watching. And then I was like, meh. I mean, I don't even know if I'll remember this two weeks from now. Yeah, film. no, I mean... As you were going through that yesterday, my mind was recalling certain details, which is too bad because I think you, it, it speaks to the disinterest that I had of uh, uh, of the movie at the time. And I think it was a deliberate decision to not tell us up front about the event. Mm -hmm. But oh yeah, yeah. yeah. But the, the the point then is, you know. What what was the point of doing that? Like why 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 was that held? Why was that piece of information held behind? I mean, the 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 other revelation in the movie, um, you know, again, I think was pretty easy to guess once we were a certain way into in, into it. But this whole like you know what was the event? Like why 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 hide that information from us as viewers? Because it, it it's it's not as if any of the characters yeah. actually had anything to do with the event. So, you know, why, why call it the event? Like just, just say what happened and then say, right, these are the, these are the, this is the, this is now the situation. This is the urgency um, that's going to drive this plot forward. And this is why we have to, you know, none of that. 
Yeah, and I think for me, I had watched this one quite close to when I watched Greenland, which is also about an apocalyptic event. And then I was just thinking, oh my God, I cannot watch any more of these movies because they are frightening the shit out of me now. Um, plus it's 2020. So, you know, I don't want to be watching and, these movies. I mean, the plot couldn't be simpler. It's about, uh, you know, planet Earth having become inhospitable and this sole astronaut has to contact the spaceship, which is coming back to Earth and say, don't come back to Earth because you'll die. It's inhospitable now. It, it's as simple as that. And it just, you know, all the gears move and, you know, it's, yeah. Yeah, and, and I have no problem with the stylistic choice to withhold information and reveal it at certain points, but it doesn't add to the heft of the story. Like, you know, Gravity only had like one character or two, if you count Clooney. But, you know, we were, I was so invested from the very beginning. And likewise with Moon, the, the, the Sam Rockwell movie, which was just him in space. So I, I don't, and, you know, I'm a fan of, you know, Clooney's not very celebrated as a director. I'm a fan of his movies. I loved Suburbicon. I loved Good Night and Good, Good, Night and Good Luck. I loved Leatherheads. All these movies that he's made. But somehow this one seems more mechanical. I mean, it's, it's visually probably the best movie he's made. I mean, the, the movie shot in Iceland and there are these amazing, you know, scenes of winter storms and all this stuff. And it's gorgeous to look at. And it's a shame we have to watch it on a Netflix screen and not on a big screen. And I don't know if that's what it is. Maybe if I'd seen this on a huge screen with a lot of sound, I would have been more involved. But yeah, it just didn't hold my interest. I mean, and the ship so is beautiful, right? The ship, yeah. the construction of the ship itself is amazing. That may be one of the best spaceships yeah. I've ever seen and what goes on there. But again, you have no connection. You feel no emotion for any of these characters. In fact, you know, I've got on my, I'm looking at my notes, who's going to die? It's very mechanical. You know, you know, there's going to be deaths. It's just who, who's going to be first. Um, there's a nice, there's some interesting concepts but um, it it just doesn't work for me. I mean, I could I could wrap this one up. Don't waste your time. Don't waste any midnights on this on this movie. Um, three out of ten. No, Whoa. come on, Rush. It's so Not crappy. It, I honestly, I I think it's actually a waste of time. I mean, but for the fact that, um, well, the fact that it's on Netflix means that. You can give it a shot at, at very little risk. I think the movie has some merits, but yeah, it's it's not it's not high up there again. And given the competition at this point in time, um, I'm, I'm certainly got, not going to put it high up on any list of recommendations. For me, it's a five out of ten. It's a very handsome-looking movie, um, George Clooney notwithstanding, Rashmi. But it's it's just a. a a missed opportunity, I think, here. Yes, he. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what could have been done to kind of thread all the pieces together to make it more immersive for the viewer because it just it felt very haphazard to me. Um, you know, I, I, I agree fully with, with you, Joseph, that it's just visually really, really good, both at the spaceship and then, you know, on Earth where he's grappling with, you know, a suddenly uninhabitable planet. Um it just kept reminding me of Martian and Gravity again and again. Uh, six out of ten, because I think it's, if you watch it, if you have nothing else to watch on Netflix, it's got George Clooney, it's got all these other characters. It's beautiful to look at. It's a futuristic dystopian thing. Um, yeah, six out of ten. And that's very generous. 
That's very generous. Yeah. Moving on. Did you get the... Oh. Yeah, we, we will talk after the podcast, but I, I think there is a reveal at the end that most people don't even get. Yeah. There is a reveal, I think. Yeah, and there's but, a clue yeah. in it. I mean, I did write in my notes, but I wasn't going to give it away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're not going to give it away, yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah. If you look carefully, yeah. All right. Yeah. Moving on then, um, let's talk about the movie Mank. So, Yasdi, I think you're going to give us a little bit of a backgrounder on Mank. Yes, I will. So, um, Fincher, you know, we, you know, he's a filmmaker who needs almost no introduction. And, you know, um, David Fincher has done, you know, some of the best movies of the last 20, 30 years. I mean, he did uh, Social Network and he did, uh, you know, Gone Girl and he did uh, the first movie you know, of the uh, girl with the dragon tattoo. And, you know, he did the third alien movie and so forth. And he's done Zodiac and the game and, you know, so many of wonderful, wonderful movies. So anytime he releases a movie, it's always cause for, you know, some degree of celebration. And Mank is his latest movie. It's, uh, uh, it's a movie which is based on a script written by his father. So it's clearly a labor of love. It's, it's, uh, you know, Jack Fincher, who who is uh, David Fincher's father, wrote the script a long time, and he was very obsessed, his father was, about that period of time when ostensibly the greatest movie ever made, which is Citizen Kane, was got made and how it was written. And in fact, Mank here refers to Mankovics, who was the credited writer for, you know, Citizen Kane. And, uh, uh, you know, he, his father's written the script about um, Hollywood at that time and about how uh, how turbulent and unsteady things were, you know, before they led to the creation of this particular script that, you know, Orson Welles took and eventually made, um, uh, you know, m made the movie that is now considered one of the best movies of all time. Um, so Mankovic's here is played by Gary Oldman and he's surrounded by, you know, an absolute who's who of, you know, Hollywood actors, directors, uh, players at that time, uh, when, uh, William Randolph Hearst on whom the story is loosely based is played here by, you know, Charles Dance. And so, um, what he has done is he has created this, uh, black and white homage to a particular time in Hollywood history, um, when this all played out. And, uh, I, I, you know, there's no, absolutely no doubt that this is, uh, you know, a very personal project for him. It's, it's one that he wanted to see through, uh, you know, based on, you know, uh, familial reasons. So, uh, it's being released on Netflix and, uh, essentially 1930s Hollywood is being reevaluated through the eyes of scathing social critic and alcoholic screenwriter Herman J. Mankovics, played here again, like I said, by Gary Oldman, as he races to finish the screenplay of Citizen Kane. Uh, you know, like like any other David Fincher movie, the supporting cast is brilliant. Uh, Amanda Seyfried plays Marion Davies, uh, the the actress and one-time mistress, uh, you know, of... Uh, um, uh, you know, within Hollywood, Lily Collins is here, Tom Pelfrey, Aralus Howard, and Tuppence Middleton uh, play, uh, you know, oh, and uh, uh, yeah, uh, Joseph Cross is here as well. Uh, the script, like I said, is credited both to David Fincher and Jack, and Jack Fincher, and, um, 
you know, the movie came with a lot of fanfare, uh, as do most uh, Fincher movies. Um, it is, you know, clearly a movie about movies if there ever was one. So what did you guys think of Mank? I mean, I saw Citizen Kane relatively recently, so to speak, a few years ago. Um, finally got to watching it. I watched it on a plane where they had a selection of classic movies and, and found that movie um, difficult. I mean, I know it's celebrated by the Cognoscenti, but um, I, I literally am the average Joe when it comes to movies like that. And I, I really struggled with, with, why it, with understanding why it was a masterpiece. But at the same time, it's, there are moments and notes that that movie has that have stuck with me ever since. And this movie... Um, goes a long way to recreate the feeling of that film. I mean, it's beautifully shot. It's shot very much in the same style. If you listen to the sound, the mm -hmm. sound recording um, also has that slightly distorted old school, you know, low resolution audio. Um, you know, the the f performances, the writing, the construction of the movie, they're all absolutely exquisite. So why the hell is it so boring? I, I couldn't get into this movie at all. I mean, I, I, I admire it, but I think it feels very, very indulgent. Clearly a passion project. Clearly something where the director has a very specific vision. There is nothing... Um, there are no mistakes in David Fincher's movies. He's very, mm -hmm. no, he's notorious for, you know, the hundred takes until he gets what he wants and he shoots it different ways so that he can then sculpt it afterwards. I mean, we know that about Fincher. So what we're seeing here is absolutely what he intended, but I really struggle to maintain interest in this. And I'm somewhat ashamed to say that I, I just bailed. Um, I, I wished in some ways that I had seen it in the theater, but you know, I'm not sure it would have kept me awake. I mean, I, I really struggled to like anything about this movie other than its sheer polish. Yeah, and I didn't find it that much of a labor. Joe, I actually enjoyed this. I'm embarrassed to say I haven't seen Citizen Kane yet. Um, it's on my list of things to do. Um, but that didn't stop me from enjoying the how it was made. And a large part of that has to do with Gary Oldman's amazing acting ability. So um, he just kept my attention. I thought it had really punchy, witty dialogue. I will say it feels very twee and precious um, at times. And, you know, it's made to look like found footage. Um, so why make a film that was made to look like it was made before? Because this does it so well. Um, other than, you know, there's this gimmick that's going on, which is the screenplay is being written. The, the screenplay of this actual movie is being written as the scenes are playing out at, at, at points. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a bit, bit precious. Um, everyone is exceptional. I thought um, Amanda Seyfried took my breath away with how good she was in this movie. Um, and, and of course, you know, um, Lily Collins and Gary Ullman. Uh I liked it. I liked that it took some, you know, it was. I thought it was clever in the way that it takes themes of today and puts them in an old movie. But again, I think it's almost a little bit too precious and I wouldn't universally, universally recommend this to everyone. Yazdi. Yeah, I mean, I think um, 
um, you know, for better or for worse, David Fincher just expects you to know a lot before you start watching this film to really understand who the different players are. And, you know, some kind of manual ahead of time would have really helped. I mean, I've, you know, I've, I've watched Citizen Kane. I, I watched it most recently, I think the same time you did when it was playing at uh, the Arclight Cinemas. They were, they were showing it again. And, you know, um, it, it it's not a fun movie, but it's, you know, I think a, a lot of what we see as, you know, common crafts, uh, you know, common craft uh, elements in, 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 in contemporary movie making all came from Citizen Kane and so forth. Um, for me, I, I think I was always, I always, I kind of felt like I was the ignorant person who didn't know enough about all the characters in the movie. So there are people who come and go and there are, you know, studio heads and, you know, these writers who drink and have fun. And then the, the, the Joseph Mankovic's character who is, you know, uh, in really a sorry state, he's, you know, um, bound, you know, he's bound uh, to his bed and, you know, it seems hard that somebody would, uh, you know, entertain someone so uh, non-functional to write a story. Uh, so, it, I mean, there's a lot of unknowns about this, um, and it's all presented very matter-of-factly. You know, characters come and go, and so I think you have to either know about these people or somehow, you know, constantly be paying, playing this game of now, is this the person? Is that the director? Is that the writer? So there's, I think there is... It requires a lot of brain power as you're watching it. But and I, I think most people, yeah. Yeah, sorry, yes, I was going to say, I, I don't necessarily agree with that because I d hadn't watched Citizen Kane and I don't think that's as important mm. as the journey this man is taking, right? So he's very... Um, I think Mank the Man was a very mm -hmm. interesting character. And so I think if you just even watch it from the perspective of this is someone who's clearly very talented... Um, you know, we've seen this type of Hollywood movie about movies play out before. So it doesn't really matter who the characters are. It's more for me about the dynamics of each one of those and how clever and smart this guy is um, and how he manipulates everyone around him in some ways. That, that mm -hmm. was the joyful part of it. And all of these, you know, Hollywood scandals that, that happen and how they're covered up and, you know, Hollywood studio ownership. So I think the themes are very good. Um, but I, I just think it was too precious. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I mean, I yeah. think the thing that was off-putting to me was how distracting the gimmicks were. And I think the, you know, again, it's lovingly crafted in this black and white imagery that's very highly deliberately reminiscent of Citizen Kane and the style in which it was shot. Um, just... I feel like all the energy went into that rather than crafting a story around which we could truly, um, you know, be, become interested in. I mean, I think there is a very interesting story to this movie. It's just, it's not particularly well told. And in my humble opinion, uh, it's, it, it's, the, it's the construction of the movie rather than, um, you know, the elements within it that are problematic. I mean, it's very, it's long. It, that's the other thing is it's long and it feels long. It's two hours and 12 minutes and you do feel all of those two hours and 12 minutes. Not me, I bailed. Yeah, yeah. So look, <laughs> I, I can, Yassi, have you got anything more to say about this one? 
No, I, I, I intend to revisit this because I, I definitely watched it, you know, while being burdened to watch, you know, four other movies before the end of the week. And so I, 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 I don't think I was in the clearest frame of mind. So yeah. I do intend to go back and revisit all of that and, and kind of uh, get a better opinion about it. Yeah. Look, there is no, no doubt in my mind that this is going to get some actor love um, and some director mm -hmm. love at the end of at the end of the year. We're at the beginning of the next year, you know, for award season. Um, I enjoyed this enough. I think it's a, a solid seven out of ten. I'm going to give it a five in part because I only watched half of it. So I can only give it maximum score of five. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, I mean, so you're giving a 10 out of 10 actually because yes. you're the movie, you're giving go. <laughs> <laughs> um, no I mean I, I, really, I found the thing um, insufferable and a, a, a little bit smug to be honest I think it was a little bit kind of distracted by its own greatness and that kind of thing gets on my nerves so there you go Sorry, David Fincher, and I mean, I won't. I don't want to detract from any of the craft at play here. This is excellent direction, writing, acting, all of the stuff. It's just, um, you know, everyone was on a different wavelength. It felt like. Okay, moving on. Then the next movie uh, to talk about is. Did he give a score? Oh, sorry. Did did you? Oh. <laughs> No, so uh, we're going to talk about the mo next movie is The Father. Um, so let me introduce the movie The Father. So director Florian Zeller, who is actually a playwright, um, and he has actually uh, written a lot of uh, plays as well as movies. Uh, uh, um, this is his first uh, directorial debut, and it's based on his own uh, TV movie and a play, which was called Le Père. Uh, in French, and it's very simply transferred, um, sorry, translated to The Father, uh, which is uh, the movie that we're going to talk about. This movie comes very, very pedigreed because it has a very pedigreed cast. It has Sir Anthony Hopkins. It has the recently benighted uh, Best Actress winner, Olivia Colman. Um, and uh, it actually has only, to the best of my knowledge, two other uh, main actors. One is Olivia Williams and the other one is Mark Gaddis. So the four of them round up the cast. And um, the father is um, based on um, the story of a man who uh, is struggling with dementia. And uh, the, you know, the, the, the one line story of, uh, of, uh, of the movie is that a man refuses all assistance from his daughter as he ages. And as he tries to make sense of his changing circumstances, he begins to doubt his loved ones, his own mind, and even the fabric of his reality. Uh, it's set in contemporary times uh, as this father played by uh, Anthony Hopkins um, is dealing with um, dementia and um, uh, early onset Alzheimer's. So what do you guys think of the father? This is critical viewing, um, both in terms of acting, in terms of story construction, and then most importantly, what I took away, which was the tragedy of a disease like Alzheimer's. Uh, for the first time, I truly began to understand what it must feel like to have this horrible disease. And it actually plays a little bit like a horror, and it is truly horrific. This is an incredible movie. 
Yeah, everything that Rashmi said here. I mean, you know, performances are, are, are top notch, but I think um, the the most haunting element of this movie, the thing that will stay with me, was um, just how cleverly it puts you in that it gives just how cleverly it gives you the experience of what it might be like to experience dementia and um you know we've seen this type of thing done before i mean you know most famously perhaps a beautiful mind where we looked at mental illness uh, through the lens of schizophrenia ron howard's movie with russell crowe um you know gosh however many years ago but um this one did put that spin on on dementia that we we often think of as simple memory loss um and you know clearly the experience of uh, a dementia patient um as portrayed by this movie and i i have no reason to believe it it, it isn't um representative in some way it is it's much more than simple memory loss it it's frightening and um yeah just a a, a, a wonderful um movie that i agree rashmi critical viewing yes d yeah before i say um give my opinion on the movie i i i, f- I forgot to mention that imogen poots and rufus Savell are also uh the lead cast so there's four other characters other than olivia coleman and anthony hopkins and i should also mention that the writing credits are by christopher hampton uh who has the screenplay credit and then florian zeller who is who has written it based on his own play um you stole the words from my mouth, Rashmi. This was the scariest horror movie I saw this year. Uh, and it's not horror in that it's body horror or any kind of horror. It's horror because it completely, and I think this is where the success of the movie lies. And I don't know if it's the script or the direction or whatever, but it absolutely put us, puts you in the mind of somebody who is suffering from Alzheimer's. And it was, you know, for me, it's truly, truly frightening. And my reaction was an extreme version of the one I had when I watched the movie Still Alice with Julianne Moore, for which she won her Academy yes. Award, which yeah. was also about a woman who suddenly starts, you know, having early onset Alzheimer's. Um, and I think the script is so beautifully constructed in that it's almost like a Rubik's Cube where um, we are seeing what you know, the Anthony Hopkins character is seeing, like somebody who who seems to be his daughter is suddenly somebody else is playing that daughter. And you suddenly realize what it is like for somebody with severe Alzheimer's that you don't even recognize the person. This person who you recognize as one is suddenly at another time, somebody else. And um, it does these this the script again does this wonderful thing where certain events repeat themselves with different outcomes where you're not really sure whether what is happening to you right now is actually happening or if it was something that happened in the past that you're just remembering. So I make it sound very complicated, but it's a very simple, very elegant script about, you know, a man who is living alone in a flat and different people seem to visit him and he's lost touch with what's happening when. Um, And it's extremely revelatory in terms of, you know, for the first time, I think I truly felt, like you said, Rashmi, what a person with Alzheimer's might feel. And it's very, very, very frightening. Yeah. Uh, And I think I give kudos to the script writing and the direction here to kind of really make you feel like how disorienting it might be if 
all your normal senses of reasoning and logic kind of just dissolve away. And it's so efficient. Like it does it so efficiently. There doesn't seem to be one wasted piece of dialogue or a wasted scene or wasted time. It it comes in, it tells its story. It's tragic and beautifully done and meaningful it's it's just genius i mean fantastic editing i mean this one definitely mm -hmm. goes down on like top editing for me i think the movie you know I, I mean i've worked in in the space of alzheimer's and, and and memory loss and you know i've seen a lot of documentary material um and you know there's just it, it's not even the big moments in this movie where the you know there's a a shift in in who is who and who you know where and what time it's even the depiction of the kind of strategies that memory loss patients will sometimes employ you know there's 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 a moment when um he clearly doesn't recognize one of the people in the apartment and assumes that and uses a kind of a a little tactic such as you know are, are we having guests for dinner type thing and it's it's a little beautiful moment of of how somebody who's struggling with this decline is you know just aware enough of what's happening to their mind that they have to use strategies because they don't want to appear as being forgetful um so you know just just very accurately done in that way and obviously the struggles of the the people around the person um you know it puts a, a an enormous um, emotional burden on the people around them to see the, this 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 mind kind of fade away in the way that it is. So, yeah, just I, I haven't got you know enough time to tell you all the good things about this movie. I mean, it's remarkable. Yeah, and Olivia Cole is fantastic. I mean, it's no mistake that she got the Oscar for um, the favorite. But Hopkins too. wins. Hopkins wins, totally. Yeah. Hands down here. I think yeah. the movie may be a little overcooked in its final scenes, but at the same time, I can't think of a movie that's reduced me to tears in the way. And I, I felt very much that that was a result of Hopkins' performance here. Yeah, I don't, I don't want folks who are listening to us to think that this movie is like some kind of bitter medicine that they need to swallow just because it's, you know, it's not actually, it's a, it's a delightful movie to watch. I mean, it's funny, it's insightful, it's very, very urbane, it's very smart and cultured. Um, and I, I'd say most of the movie presents as a puzzle because you don't realize for the longest time that what you're seeing is what he's seeing. And you're like puzzled, you're like, wait a minute, why is this person here in his house? And why is this actor now saying that they have the same name as this person? So the whole thing presents as a, as kind of a puzzle. And, you know, as the movie goes along, it trusts you to figure it out and you do figure it out. And I think that's why what you consider, Joe, and I can see how people might consider it a little overcooked at the end, but it's actually giving you it's giving you the answers, you know, why certain things felt certain ways initially early on. And it, it's to me, it kind of, it, you know, at the very end, it kind of fits in with a very satisfying click. Everything then matches up all everything which was disconnected in my head kind of all fit together very nicely with a very pleasing click in my mind. So I, I think it's, you know, it's the kind of polished 
clever filmmaking that doesn't happen very often. Either filmmaking is very shoddy and, you know, fit for purpose, or it's very mechanical. Even if it's done well, you know, even if it's polished, it seems very mechanical. This one has a burnish about it. I can't explain it. It's the acting. It's the direction. It's how the script is structured. It's how there's only, like, six main characters in the whole movie. It, it You know, it, 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 is, it is a play, and I can see how it kind of works as a play, but... I just I just relished watching it as a puzzle. I'm like, you know, everybody keeps talking about chicken, but this is happening over different time periods. Yes. Who brought the chicken? Yeah, <laughs> you know, and, you know, uh, you know, he's, you know, his daughter said that she's moving to Paris, but now this daughter, but this other person is saying she never thought of moving to Paris. What's going on? So I think in the moment, it's like a really fun uh, puzzle that you're trying to unwind while you're watching, and and you know. Anthony, Sir Anthony Hopkins just makes it seem so easy because you forget that he's acting and you really believe that this is somebody who is, you know, trying to make sense of the world around him. So it, it seems almost um, deceptively simple, but it's anything but. So let's yeah. um, score this one. Yazdi, what's your score for this one? Um, eight and a half out of ten, which I'm going to back down to an eight. But and I think this has to be an, an amongst the year's best films. Uh, there is nobody I would not recommend it to. It's not a chore. It's not, you know, it's not trying to. It's not overly manipulative. It's it's quick. It's brisk, like you said, Rashmi. There's not a wasted moment, and there's an elegance with which everything fits together at the end. And it it felt I was so invested in this character, and I was. It, it filled me with dread saying, oh, my God, I hope this is not what's going to happen to me. You know, so yeah. I, I it's just I, I all hats off to this production. It's it's incredible. Joe. Yeah, I, I mean, this is possibly one of my top movies of the year. I think um, it just comes together so 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 brilliantly well i mean the the puzzle analogy yesterday is 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 right on the money there i think um that that's very much how this movie should be viewed but um yeah it it you you can poke holes at the way that the movie plays out at times um it very much feels like a stage play from which it was obviously um you know built but at the same time i can't think of a movie that this year at least will have had quite the emotional impact on me um, from, you know, just a, a sheer experiential level. I mean, um, it really it really helped me understand something that I don't think I could have understood without it. Nine out of ten. Yeah, and it's a nine from me as well. This is almost movie perfection, just in the fact that I've never seen it done this beautifully and elegantly before. So, and, and amazing acting by all the cast. Really good. Good stuff. Yeah, this is the kind of movie which all, you know, which at other times would have shown up at the landmark cinemas and it would have been a runaway hit and people would have yes. just watched it, appreciated it and admired it and kind of its its glow would have increased and increased as more people would have watched it. Yeah. So I, I mean, I almost bemoan that, again, nobody's watching those movies and I hope if, if nothing would be a greater tragedy than if enough people didn't watch The Father. Yeah. yeah. Okay, on to our final movie of this trilogy of podcasts, I guess, um, which is our end of year roundup, um, is the um, the movie 
The Prom. So just very briefly, this is the latest and greatest from um, the mind of Ryan Murphy, who uh, I guess is most famous for uh, Glee and uh, things of its ilk, but he also directed uh, Eat, Pray, Love, um, Running with Scissors, uh, and uh, yeah, I guess I'll, I'll stop there. So, um, Oh, Nip Talk. Uh, American Horror Story, all of those, you know. He has, he's doing a lot. Boys on in the Band, right which I finally got to watch yesterday, which was so good. Uh, which one? And the Boys in the Band, the one oh, you the recommended. Boys in the band. Yes, yes, really yes. Good. So, uh, briefly, the movie's premise is down on the luck. Broadway stars shake up a small Indiana town as they rally behind the teen who wants to go to the prom with her girlfriend. Uh, the movie stars Meryl Streep, James Corden, Nicole Kidman, Keegan-Michael Key, Andrew Reynolds, um, uh, Kerry Washington, Mary Kay LaPlace, Tracy Ullman, Ryan Murphy. Uh, no, he's not in this. He directed it. So, um, guys, what did you think yeah. of The Prom? And you didn't watch this, right, Joe? So, no, you put it on again. It was an evening when I was possibly movied out from the one or two other movies so i i saw the movie i don't i won't say i watched the movie um oh my god i don't even know what to say about this one uh i didn't hate this movie but it made me cringe the entire way through with a big smile I'm with right a big at. smile look it's fun in the moment but it's really cringeworthy i i it's got a few good numbers I think it's great for when you're feeling really tired and you just want something to watch mindlessly. Um, I don't know. It didn't quite work for me. Yeah, on the face of it, this is my kind of movie. It's about social justice. Not social. It's, you know, it's about progressive, you know, yeah, theme about right. this girl. A girl who wants to take another girl to the prom and yep. how, you know, her, the local PTA is opposed to it. And, you know, how these, you know, kind of washed up broad, Broadway stars who in a very, uh, you know, uh, what's the word? In a, in a very uh, selfish way, land up there and kind of make it their cause, etc. So, you know, all everything is there here to, to make it work, but it did not work for me. I mean, it's... I. You know, it's it's got really good production design. Everything pops. There's a lot of color everywhere. And, you know, all, all the costumes are bright. And But I think it had exactly the opposite effect on me is it all felt like plastic to me. And, you know, the, the sets felt plastic. The characters felt plastic. I did not believe one character in this movie. I did not root for one character. I mean, you know, Nicole Kidman is completely wasted. Why did she even agree to be in this movie? Because like she Meryl has like Street four lines. That. Yeah, and she she gets to sing one song, and she's not a very good singer. And I love Nicole Kidman, but she's not a great singer. Everybody's saying Meryl Streep is great. I, I don't know. For me, it felt like like fancy dress to me. Like she was playing somebody else. It just. I don't know what's wrong. It just felt horribly artificial to me. And I, and I like, you know, I don't hate musicals. I like, and it's, some of the numbers are, are kind of, you know, they're kind of catchy, but it just, I, I, I didn't want any part of this. I did not want to walk with this dog. Go yeah, it, it's so oversaturated, not just in terms of the color, but it's so overcooked and it's so predictable. And 
compare this to something like the half of it that we watched earlier in the year, which has the same yeah. type of themes going on. And this one just felt so forced and so... It just made me cringe. I think that was the smile. It was just a cringe. <laughs> it, 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 I mean, I was smiling the way all as I was watching it, but I was just... I felt really embarrassed for them. I don't think... Meryl Streep is a great singer and yet she appears in musical after Into the Woods and Mamma Mia and now this and I just I don't want people to think oh it's a Meryl Streep movie I'm gonna watch it and then she's gonna be nominated for an Oscar which seems to happen every year she'll get a globe for this yeah I mean it's just I, 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 I mean look I, it's frothy I, no. and it's empty calories and if you have nothing else to watch watch it but I think it seemed joyful. I mean, I watched it from across the room with my back to it half the time. I mean, I, I did, I did, I do want to say that the numbers came across as quite catchy. And I did notice you smiling and laughing yeah. a couple of times. I mean, I don't know that all the jokes were complete duds. No, so. it's, yeah. Uh, so my, my thing is, I, I mean, I mean, Meryl Streep, I mean, she can sing. She's probably not the best singer. She can sing. She's, you know, and, and you know, she has, she does some, she has to kind of use her vocal range a little bit. My issue is, you know, this is supposed to be set in Indiana. And I never, it could, it could have just as well been my basement. I mean, I never got a feeling <laughs> for Indiana. I mean, like. It, it 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 was like just some generic set, right? You, there is a school, and then maybe there is one song number in a mall somewhere. That could be a mall in Minneapolis. That could be a. So I never got a sense of her being truly outcast, you know, because she's gay or because she wants to call her, you know, f you know, friend. And so that artifice of fakeness, you know, was never broken. And thank you for bringing up, you know, the half of it because. Um, yesterday I was putting together a list of my top films of the year and I was thinking, and I love rom-com and I was thinking, what's the best rom-com I've seen all year? And I wrote down the half of it because it, that movie just so got to me and it touched me and, you know, and honestly, just on your Netflix, just remove the prom from your from your queue and add the half of it. You, yeah. will, you will count us. Um, you know, there's a lot of people are really upset about James Corden playing a very kind of effeminate, uh, very overplayed gay cliches. He didn't bother me so much. But, you know, I think they were all kind of wooden. If You you know, Kerry Washington is so completely wasted. Like yeah. she, she plays, she has this very, I don't know, she has this, something about that character does not fit with her persona. Yeah. And the only person who I really enjoyed, and I'm going to use the word enjoyed is Keegan-Michael Key, who plays the school Agui. principal. He was very good. He was yeah. very, very he good. He stole the show, I think, Yazdi. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. okay, so, I can sum I'm sorry, this up. I'm going to wrap Go it up. Four out of 10 for me. Yeah, I'm, I don't know why this should work for me, but it did not. Did you Did you just give it a score? Four out of 10. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I... <laughs> I agree with your four. I mean, and even that's generous, I think. It just did it didn't work. Looking back, it just didn't work. It just there's something not Yeah. It, it's almost I mean, so art it's like saccharine artificial jello. It's very saccharine. Yeah. It's all it's all like cheap frosting on a store bought cake. I, I won't be mean, but <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know, I, I 
I get I get the fact that it's making fun of small town Indiana where people are so backward, blah blah blah. And I I get that the the play is saying actually it has even more contempt for you know these selfish, egotistical Broadway stars who have descended there, you know, trying to use that to their own advantage. But neither of them felt very believable to me. It was all artifice to me. So maybe another director who had tried to put a little bit more authenticity, a little bit more heart. Uh, I would have even given up some musical numbers, but it, yeah, I mean, I didn't hate it. You know, it was watchable, but I was like, like you, I was like, none of this is working for me. Okay, maybe yeah. the next bit will work. Next, bit, And then the movie ended. I'm like, okay. Yeah. I mean, not that I think any, any, you know, people in Indiana may watch this, but it's so insulting to the people of Indiana. I mean, it, it really is like, oh, this is the Hollywood elites. It, it plays into that narrative yeah. 100%. I was just cringing. They should have been, there was no smartness about it. And when I yeah, compare I, that to, you know, something like when, when we spoke about the boys in the band, mm -hmm. there's like night and day difference. And I know that one isn't necessarily a musical, but it's also a stage play done by, mm -hmm. you know, Ryan Murphy. I mean, that's head and shoulders above. You know, I can't put this at Ryan Murphy's door either, but I don't know if this is like just too much interference or horrible, horrible. Okay, we need to end I don't this. Know we need to stop giving this one any more air. Yeah, I think it's just a question of tone. Uh, it's based on a fairly well-regarded Broadway musical, so I think something must have worked. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Yazdi, for hanging out. Three hours of back-to-back -back podcasting. Um, hopefully, uh, if uh, any of you out there listening to this have enjoyed this, do let us know. We'd love to hear from you. What if you enjoyed this fourth quarter? Yeah. I'd love to hear if um, anyone has got any recommendations. Um, or what you think of ours. We don't have yeah. any movies. No recommendations. Ah, okay. <laughs> okay, well, um, thank you. I'm looking forward to my meal. Let's just arrive via DoorDash. So I think it's time to draw this Oh, the times we live in. To a close, <laughs> I know, right? Zoom <laughs> call followed by DoorDash. And movies <laughs> at home. So too many movies, too little time. Thank you again for listening. We appreciate you. Until our next podcast. Bye from me. And me. And me as well.